0: All set. A little bit of a delay. We apologize for that. If you're watching live on Twitch, but what is going on, everybody? Welcome into a very special edition of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's episode number 530, and it is the first episode in podcast history where officially our sweet baby boy Joel Embiid is the NBA MVP. It's KB and Matt coming at you from Underground Studios right before Game Two of the Eastern Conference. Semi-finals between the Sixers and Celtics. We'll take you right into that as tip-off is at 8 o'clock tonight. We're going to talk Phils, we're going to talk Eagles, and we're going to talk Survivor 44 at the end of the show for the true Sickos. But before we get into everything, make sure you're following us at Underground PHI Twitter and Instagram, Facebook.com slash PHI. And if you want to tune in a day early to watch the podcast, Follow the Twitch channel, because Matt and I go live every Wednesday night, twitch.tv slash undergroundsportsphi. And uh, go subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It goes a long way for helping more people find Underground Sports Philadelphia, find all the content we're putting out. And uh, it helps get us on the charts. Let's get more... uh, ears and eyes on the show, leave a five-star review, and subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. That's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week and every podcast on our network. You get shorts, interviews, clips, live streams. We got a whole bunch coming up in terms of live streams over the next couple of days on the channel, so go subscribe. We are currently at 450 subscribers, trying to get to 500 ASAP. So go subscribe, be a friend, tell a friend, youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia and underground sports, Philadelphia is presented by the city of Vineland. And whether you are a company looking to expand, relocate, or you're a new business startup, selecting the right location is critical to your success. Finally, New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life. The city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process. Their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. But, Matt, what is going on, brother? We are thriving because Joel Embiid is indeed the NBA MVP, got announced yesterday in front of everybody on the team, in front of everybody in the world, and nothing feels better than seeing our guy win the MVP.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I think it was a, a good chance to reflect on his career so far. I, that his teenage years was not even a basketball player, you know, we all. Are pretty pretty aware of his story at this point and that uh, just what a miraculous and awesome run it has been to this point and i think we all have a story like this but i can remember going to a process era game and you watch him do the shoot around and there was these two three years of like mystery and no one's really sure if he was actually going to stay healthy fully and become what we were projecting him to be and um you know, in this era, too, of the last, you know, four or five years, where you've had him, Giannis, Jokic, all kind of taking turns winning MVP, and you know, I think there there are multiple ways to to take that. You know, you have these international stars. You know, this has obviously been the NBA's dominated through most of its history by American players, uh, but you're seeing the three best players in the game right now are, and really, I mean, you know, you have Doncic as well, who's probably somewhere in that top ten. Um, you have quite a few guys that that are. From the international realm, and you have Wemby coming through the draft. We'll see what he uh, develops into. Um, You're know, sort of holding the torch now, and all of them big guys, I think Jokic and Embiid especially, have revitalized the center position, and both of them in like very unique ways. We've never seen... Jokic is, like, such a heliocentric center, which is, like, just not very common. Normally we see, like, his play style and the way his team plays around a guard, not really mm-hmm. a, a big man. That's why he's, he's such a unique player and he's so good at it. And then Embiid, it's just, do not see efficient scoring like this from anyone. <laughs> he's, what like, right now still the most efficient scorer in NBA history. Um, he just gets to the basket very well, shoots free throws well. Uh, he's got an incredibly deep bag, and we all know, too, defensively what he can do and how uh, how great he is, and it just feels nice that um, he's going to have, like, an individual, like, recognized award now because he's been slighted over the last few years, even if you just take away the MVP discussion and all that, like, getting left off a uh, first-team All-NBA. I know that people are upset about him being not an All-Star starter this year. I mean, he's still an All-Star, but, you know, like, even stuff like that, like, I just... This is a guy that, like, I, I, I don't know how, but has, has been largely disrespected, even now in these playoffs where he's he's hobbled and injured. Um, that has been the story for the last few playoffs. He plays through, through those injuries. How many guys, like, would he be playing through torn meniscus and shattered facial bones and, like, destroyed fingers? Like, this is a guy that has always, 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 um, you know, put on a brave face and toughed it out. And I think what I love about him, too, is that every year he comes back and gets a little bit better and improves he has insane work ethic um i think him and Giannis are very like in that way and that every year it feels like these guys are like not satisfied with where they're at and will constantly constantly just improve and um that's just like a, a great attitude to have from your your star man so i'm glad he's getting his individual award he deserves it uh, i'm glad that he's not going to walk away from these last few years when he's been so dominant and so good with you know Nothing individually to show for it, nothing team-wise to show for it. Um, and maybe this year that changes. Maybe, you know, maybe this is their year it breaks for them. But uh, I'm glad he's he's being recognized that
0: way. And it was really cool, like, to see the whole team in there reacting and then you get the the social clips. And Joel said today in his press conference he wanted to kind of keep a straight face, not really get emotional about it, and then he didn't really know what happened and the emotion just overcame him. But to, like, just see – and he said this too, you know, he, he tried to tell – the Philly media specifically that like he didn't care about the MVP so that they would stop asking him about it which I found very funny and just very Joel but like you just it showed in his face and his reaction like how much this actually meant to him and like to have his teammates around him and I think the the thing that stuck out to so many people was just the instant you know coming over congratulating and consoling of James Harden um was very very cool because James Harden is one of those guys that doesn't necessarily show emotion uh, outside of the basketball court. Like he is very even keel, very like spotlight, like he's cool with it, but like he doesn't show those, those like caring and loving emotions because uh, he's got that dog in him. But to see him come over to Joel, congratulate him as somebody who was in Joel's shoes just five years ago, as 2017-2018 MVP, I think that just goes to show like how much every single teammate that Joel has played with outside of maybe two guys uh genuinely cares about him and genuinely likes him like to get Marco Bellinelli tweeting about Joel was really cool um as much as we've talked about Marco Bellinelli and Ersan Ilyasova on this podcast and just as Philadelphia 76ers fans it was just cool to see like the embrace that and the joy that every single teammate in that room had for Joel
1: yeah uh Harden gave him the the Rolex with the 23 MVP. on he told him we had to get more links. <laughs> I, I would love to know uh, just how massive Embiid's uh, wrists are. I can't imagine that. But yeah, it's um it's great, and I, I think too it's it's really cool because obviously the last few years we've been very lucky in Philly sports in general to like having MVPs. Multiple of them is just not common at all. So it's uh it's really fun to be a part of that. I mean it's not inconceivable that you could have had three MVPs in the last year in Philly sports you know it hurts was pretty close so and even Andre
0: Blake was was up there for yeah, the union
1: yeah so it's um it's it's a really special time and uh I, like i said i'm just i'm glad that he's getting recognized for it cuz uh, cuz he 100% deserves it uh he's worked really hard to to get where he is and um i think again you know it's cool because him Giannis and Jokic over the last few years they've all taken such different routes to get there like Embiid was not even, like, a basketball player until his teenage years. Um, then is obviously, like, a top pick in the draft. Could have been number one overall. Like, mm-hmm. there's a there's a world where if he's not injured during that Kansas season, he's not even a sixer. Um, then Giannis, obviously, like, late in the lottery, viewed as, like, a project. I don't know that anyone expected him to be. You know, the best player in the league, and you know, multiple MVP kind of kind of guy, and then Jokic is just like the ultimate second-round pick flyer that just turns into gold, and he's just fantastic. Pick during the Taco Bell commercial. Yeah, like he's just amazing. <laughs> so it's like all three of these guys have have been like the story of the NBA the last three four seasons, and I think it's really cool just the difference that you know the the, the different ways, the different paths. It doesn't you don't have to be the number one. In fact a number one overall pick has not won the MVP since 2013 with LeBron James. Um, so a lot of times it really isn't even these like number one overall guys that I think it speaks a lot to, you know, finding, uh, finding the right pieces in the draft is not always as simple as having the number one overall pick and development is really important too. Like I'm sure there are guys that if had landed in better situations or worse situations, maybe, uh, reach or don't reach the levels that they do. So it's awesome.
0: It's amazing. Um, and just seeing the whoever is behind the the Sixers video content over the past couple of days like just the timeline videos and just seeing like the entire journey of Joel Embiid like we as fans have gone through it with him too and like as much as this is Joel's award he even said it like the fans had a huge part in this happening because there were people out there who said Joel Embiid would never play a single game of NBA basketball
1: I mean, there was a time where that did not seem so crazy. Uh, he had that what, like the vernacular foot mm-hmm. injury that seemed like super scary. He's getting like uh, rehab in Dubai or whatever. Like there was, I mean there there were legitimate concerns early in his career, and I think it's it's amazing that and I'm knocking on wood. You know, obviously he's he's had like really bad luck with injuries in the playoffs, but largely speaking, like he has avoided those like early in the in his career. It was really like wow, like this guy could have like a catastrophic injury he's again knocking on wood has like Mm -hmm. avoided those it's been like these small little naggy things um but yeah i mean it's and it's a testament again to his work ethic too like he's taking care of himself and uh you know has, has put in the work like physically and in the off season to to not just develop as a basketball player but as an athlete i think to just get better and better and um i just you know i love the guy he's he's the best sixer i've ever seen in my lifetime and is going to go down as as one of the best players to ever play uh in basketball like he's just he's just amazing i I, i'm so happy i've gotten to watch him play that we've gotten to see like his whole journey um reminds us that the process was worth it Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the end because it gave us such a a a terrific player i mean this is you tank in the hopes that you sniff a joel Embiid. you know that that is what you do it for so
0: and it was really cool, too, to kind of just see the teammates who just got here this year, like a P.J. Tucker and his his post on Instagram um, congratulating Joel all the way through. Uh, Joel was sharing a whole bunch of Michael Carter Williams congratulating him. Uh, D'Angelo Russell congratulated him. So to just see like the, the respect and the admiration and just the support that Joel has, not only here but throughout the entire NBA, is, is very, very cool.
1: Yeah, I again I, I think it speaks a lot too when you see guys uh, willing to to give him the respect. You players have a, a good sense of who's like who's properly rated, who's maybe underrated, who's overrated, and I think in general people recognize that a beat as a, a really really talented player. So
0: he wins the MVP, the first Michael Jordan MVP award. Um, so don't let that go unnoticed. But on top of that. The Philadelphia 76ers, Matt, they did the unthinkable, and they did something for the first time since 1986. They won game one in the second round of the NBA playoffs. It's brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. They just released new Joel Embiid MVP merch, and we just released our Philly Dogs uh, merch as well. You can get our podcast merch on there. It's most effective and direct way to support us, and PHI Apparel Company provides unique designs and high-quality clothing for the great fans of Philly, and with their original designs for all, there's no doubt you'll stand out in the crowd. Our listeners can use promo code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any apparel order when you shop online at PHIapparel.co. That's PHIapparel.co, code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all merch orders. It's Harden's Garden, baby. I mean... Dude, what a performance
1: rolling back the years um <laughs> watching the game and the, the first few minutes go by and you're like i can't believe we're getting a hard night like i just i cannot and um just a whirlwind of the game I, I i felt like pulling my hair out for most of the first half like i think a lot of people did because celtics just felt unstoppable uh constantly pushing the pace and the Sixers really could not be i mean the celtics were shooting like at one point ninety three percent uh, in the in that first half, I think they ended the half shooting somewhere around like 77 percent, and they just got anything they wanted. Yet they were barely up at halftime. I, I think that's really the story of the game. Like you can get to the final few minutes of the fourth quarter, but I think the fact that the the Sixers were able to hang around and that was because of Harden, who has gotten his flowers and deserves it, but also D'Anthony Melton, maybe yes. the most important addition that we've made in the like Joel Embiid era. Because we've just not had a D'Anthony Milton, you know, um, keeps us really afloat. He hit some big daggers, uh, you know, and had a, had a great shooting night. He's had a really good playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, like he's been, I I, I think um, a guy that we have just not had in years past. Like we, we've we've begged for him. He's like, a, in a. In a Danny Green type of mold, you know, where it's like he can give you those big moments, and and oddly enough, we got him for Danny Green. Right, he's just <laughs> been um, he's been fantastic. I, I absolutely love what DeAnthony Melton has given us uh, so far in these playoffs. He's been just such a uh, such a huge player. Honestly, like such a huge player. Like you you want guys that can play in the playoffs and like bring their game to the level, and D'Anthony Melton's has done that. But for Harden, you know, I think. I'll be honest, you know, I, I was definitely skeptic, uh, you know, from that net series because he did not look good in the net series, mm-hmm. uh, but he he showed in in that Boston game one that he still has it, he can dial in, and you know, I think I'm sure some of that rest helped because uh, we can't forget he's been dealing with like a nagging Achilles injury um, in the last like quarter of the season, so I, I'm sure we talked so much about Embiid getting that time off. I think Harden probably could have used uh, that break as well. So send him to Vegas whenever he wants. I mean, honestly, I, I think that might just be the uh, might just be, you know how like Embiid was getting those plasma uh, injections, yeah. maybe like Harden just needs slap I, injections. Yeah, exactly. Quote unquote. What she was giving to Paul Reed on the bench, Uh, by the way. Yes. Was some love taps. So it was a great Harden performance. It was a great overall team performance. Tyrese Maxey too. <laughs> um, You know what I, so Tyrese Maxey averages against the Celtics 8.2 points uh, in his, his 10 games for the Celtics. Uh, he had, was it 26? Mm-hmm. Um, what I loved about that, too, is like he did not stop shooting. You know, yes. like it, he did not uh, shrink away from the challenge. It, and I think that has maybe been an issue for him is like just as much psychological, you know, like especially mm-hmm. this year, he had really rough games against the Celtics for the most part. So um, the fact like in the playoffs, I don't care about your efficiency. Like, you know, right. like it's, it, you need to be aggressive. You need to be willing to continue to like throw yourself out there. And I, I love that he did that. Um, I, I i hope that gives him some more confidence as the series goes along because we're gonna need it you know i, I loved his energy I love the way that the sixers played in that game um you know they, they're very direct i you know I, i'll be honest like if you had asked me at 650 on on Monday night um how I thought the series was gonna go I would have told you like celtics in five or six like I, I really and it could still be that um but i do think like stealing game one not only gives you the obvious like you know technical edge where you now have home court advantage and you know you worst case scenario you're going home one one which even with a healthy Embiid if you had offered me that you know, if Embiid was totally fine and you just said hey they come home one one I take that every time mm-hmm. every time because that is just that's a, that's a good spot to be in you know the, the fact that they were able to do that without Embiid buy him a few extra days rest apparently he shout out Trey tonight. Young shout out to Trey Young the the Mike Muscala legend <laughs> grows. I um so you know I he's he's apparently gonna play tonight. We'll see like what he looks like. That is like the not to be like the the downer, but like it, I was I was genuinely concerned that Embiid was like done because because such mixed signals about his injury and it felt very Kawhi ish where like Kawhi like they kept saying oh he's gonna be back and then oh yeah it turns out he's done and that he was never gonna be back and there was a doc quote that sounded really ominous Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of the injury where he said he had this, like, phone talk with Embiid, and, like, he's like, you know, this is just another chapter in your story about how you're going to have to overcome this, like... And it sounded, like, really dark. It sounded, like... Doc talking about how he hates hearing the letters MRI. Right, and I, like... And that was, like, when he said, like, if game one was next Saturday or whatever, this was, like, early on before the Hawks, I think, had even won a game in that series. He's saying, you know, like, he's not even 50%... To play like you know, it's gonna take some time. Like, I, and then you get like the Ramona Shelburne tweet though, where it's like, oh, you know, it's a grade one sprain. That's a seven to ten day injury. And then it was like, okay, well, when he comes back, he's gonna to have to wear a knee brace. And it's like, actually, it's worse than a grade one, and he's not playing in game one, and he's aiming for game. Like, it just felt um, I don't know, it, it felt very, very sketchy to me, and it still feels sketchy, because I, I'm just. I, I don't know. You know, I I've seen Embiid, and we talked about like his grit, but I've also seen him roll out there when he's still clearly injured and mm-hmm. not be effective. And, um, I I just I have no idea what kind of Embiid we're gonna get tonight and going forward. And that is still a huge concern in this series. Like you had, Harden's best playoff performance ever. You had a great D'Anthony Melton night, and I just you're not gonna get that every night. You don't need that necessarily right. every night, but, um, I I, I just don't I still like i still have some of the same concerns the celtics though you're know, like this is a story with them that they have a tendency to really fumble away mm-hmm. the end of games you know they they let the hawks back into that it's series been the case since
0: the all-star break from the
1: right like they have they've not been a good team you know closing out games and the sixers conversely have been a team that have been good at closing out that's one of Embiid's like hallmarks of his mm-hmm. MVP season is that he was very good in the clutch so we'll see how they they handle that i i think um, shout out to people, Paul, as well. He had a great game. Iced the free throws. Uh, like, just really, really strong performance from him. Like, stepped up in a, in a huge, huge way. And, you know, his legend is only growing. But I am curious to see how Embiid plays tonight. And, and how that's going to shape the rest of the series. Like, the rest of the series is totally dependent on Embiid and how effective he can be.
0: And as critical as we are on this show about Doc Rivers, tip of the cap. Because that was the first time in maybe his entire tenure as the head coach of the Sixers, where in a high-energy, high-octane situation like the playoffs, like the second round against the Celtics, no less, we saw in-game adjustments defensively from this team. You know, first quarter, it was it was like a layup contest. Like, whoever could just go down the court and score was scoring. Then Doc switches to that 2-3 zone. We obviously get the amazing defensive uh sequence there that ends in malcolm brogdon throwing a pick six to tyrese maxi um but that was like the, the first bizarre i unreal I've ever seen i had no clue because i was actually
1: watching shout out to the to the you know ball pod i was watching their like live stream of the game so i didn't hear the game audio i was just hearing them like talk, and i was like i had i had no clue what was happening i, I think like I, most sixers players most celtics players I had no clue like everyone just kind of stopped and i had i hadn't i I wasn't listening to the game audio,
0: so I didn't know if I like missed a whistle or mm-hmm. something. Like I, A lot was... of people said they felt like it looked like the Celtics thought the shot clock like buzzer went. It was like
1: point .1. Mm-hmm. <laughs> point
0: .1. And uh, like, that was the first time I really felt like Doc like saw something happening, needed to make an adjustment. The entire coaching staff made the adjustment, and it was a positive one for the first time in what felt like forever, especially defensively. Well, I'll say this. One- when doc rivers
1: is missing one of his stars i don't know what it is hold up let him cook <laughs> the, the, the hat gets turned backwards i don't know what it is he goes full ash ketchup and honestly like he just he does take it up a level and two like if you've listened to any celtics fan over the last year that joe Mazzulla is like not their favorite he's not their like prodigal son and you know he is he's a rookie coach coaching mm-hmm. the playoffs in a high stakes game like this was something we talked about even before the series that you know doc is a uh, you know, we don't love him, but, you know, and, like, we have our issues with him, but he is a, a better coach than Joe Mazzulla like, and mm-hmm. that is that is an advantage we don't always have, you know, with, with Doc, and he still is, like, prone to his mistakes, but he's a better coach, and I, I think Joe Mazzulla, especially, like, there's some question marks in that game. I, I think especially, like, defensive rotations um, were a little confusing at times. Now, some of that is on the players, too, like, in communication. I did not think Marcus Smart had a good night. I was praying that he was going to be left in the game because – um, i you know he had some big n ones on the stretch but i did not think it was a like a vintage uh smart performance but it was kind of dumb if you will right um so i i just think in general you know it was it's really great to have one game one because i think it gives you like the celtics team not that they're reeling right but i think they they have had a little they've had some bumps over the last like few weeks and and even like last month and a half if you go into the regular season and you know, when you've kinda you let the, the Hawks hang around when you didn't need to. You let the, the Sixers hang around in this game that you absolutely should have and you when you shoot the way they did in that first half, there's really no excuse to only being up like three. You know, like mm-hmm. that that to me is um a really hard pill to swallow. I think if you're a Celtics fan and a Celtics player. Like they will feel that they'll feel that weight and that pressure now. Um we'll see how they respond. They could certainly respond well. Listen, they had a great offensive performance. They're not gonna shoot like that every night, right? But you know, they're, they are capable of having those big outbursts. Um, you know, Jalen Brown is is probably not going to go missing in the second half. I don't know what the story was there with, uh, with his involvement because he could not miss early on. He seemed really into the action. So we'll see how they respond tonight. I expect they'll respond positively, but who knows, you know, like this is a team that has had a a little struggles, uh, like this, this all season.
0: And, uh, Great stats on James Harden when he was guarded by Marcus Smart on 31.6 possessions in game one. This comes from Sean Bernard. Um, 18 points, six of six uh, field goal shooting, and four for four from three. Yeah, he had a man, Harden
1: just unbelievable and and barely went to the line. The Sixers as a team barely went to the line. I mean, it, it, but it was great. Like, the really it wasn't until it's so funny that there were so few thousand Maxi almost fouled out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's a few like. Calls that I think had this gone the opposite way, I probably would have been like sending some redacted tweets to the uh, the NBA uh, Referee Association. But um, you know, I I, I it was a, it was a very strange game in a lot of ways, and I'm glad the Sixers came out with a win because again, I think getting the game one win does change things. I think a little bit. I think I think a little bit mentally it changes mm-hmm. things for the Sixers, and it changes them for the Celtics. I hope that the Sixers haven't gotten carried away with that though again we'll see how they respond tonight to that and i think i do worry a little bit about the emotional overcorrection i'm, I'm almost kind of glad tonight is in boston because i'm not sure with like the mvp thing and like they had yeah. this like big let's be real it's like it really felt like an emotional win in mm-hmm. game 1 too because they knew Embiid was out and because they knew they were they're big underdogs not just in that game but in the series now and i just i worry about that emotional overcorrection you know like it, that that does give me a concern a little bit if you've kind of had the last few days and it's felt maybe a little too much like a celebration, you know, when you still have so much left to go. But I, I listen, if you're asking me like would I rather be the, the team that stole game one or the team that, that lost it, you know, like I'll I'll take uh I'll take the one oh lead all the time.
0: And I do like the you know, Joel was like, we have five minutes to celebrate and then we're on yeah. to game two. So the focus seems to be there. And I think winning game one out of the first two games in Boston was way more important simply because you win game one, then you go into the, the MVP, uh, you know, award getting awarded to Joel and everything. I think that carries some positive momentum into game two where you're not, you know, Oh, we lost, but you know, Joel got the MVP. So cool. Now we got to like go out and, and battle to, to get things back in our way. I think it's just a positive like uptick for them in that sense where, Game one, I think, was the necessary game. If, you know, like you said, end-all, be-all, if they end up splitting in Boston, great. But I think getting game one was the more important game.
1: Absolutely, because, again, I I think that that shifts the tone of the series just a little bit. And I I think, too, you know, like, they're playing with a little bit of house money tonight. I I think, you know, like, and that, that can be a little freeing. And, again, we'll see how they manage that. But the fact that you already have, you know, taken away home court advantage is big. Um, but i do expect boston to respond well to that because they're still a good team you know the i think these are the probably the two best teams overall remaining in the east god bless the it's gonna be so funny if the sixers do make it out of this and then just lose to the heat in the conference finals or like god forbid make it to the finals and sure. it's a, a Jokic mb finals <laughs> like you just imagine but i do think you know like the Celtics are still a very good team everything i thought about them like three days ago is still true i still think they're they're they always been a, a tough matchup for the Sixers. Um, it was a great win in Game One, but you know you have to win three more, mm-hmm. <laughs> keep, and you got to do it. And um, yeah, again, I, I still I'm still very curious to see how Embiid moves in place, and like, cause they're definitely gonna attack him. Like they're definitely gonna push the ball in transition. You saw that even when it was Paul Reed playing. Like they were they were constantly going at it, and it's very easy to lose your assignment in in transition moments like that. And it's very easy to you know this is a guy that hasn't played you know, now for a week and a half. You know, forget even just the injury. This is a guy that has not had like sort of that almost game, two weeks. Right. That that game, you know, pace and and, and all the fatigue that comes with that. So um yeah, you know, I, I definitely expect the Celtics to to try and take advantage of because that that's that's what we would do in that situation. Yeah.
0: Are you would you be okay with this game two being Joel doesn't necessarily have his best scoring night, but he helps improve the ever so leaky interior defense that was game 1 and obviously the sixers win um or do you want to kind of see a a mixture of both to know that like he still got both ends of the spectrum of his game kind of under control with this injury i
1: don't expect him to be at full anything
0: i i just I would be so shocked if he looks
1: like his normal stuff like we've just i've just seen this film so many times mm-hmm. where he comes back and um I, I would just be really surprised if he's as effective as we're used to him being. Give me the win, you know, <laughs> <Obviously>, <laughs> if that yeah. is on the table, give me the win. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I do think we're going to need Embiid as the series goes along to to grow into that, you know, whatever, whatever his health is, we're going to need him to we're going to need him to be the best player on the floor, mm-hmm. like two or three more times in the series, right? Like we, we we're going to need that. And, you know, the good thing is, is you got to, pretty decent layoff you know like you've you've got a few days in between these games you know which which can help a little bit but it is it is a fast series and this is like when he was talking about his injury like they were saying that it was swelling up immediately in game that he was dealing with a lot of pain um and again this is a guy that has played through pain he's played through injury before like i trust when he's saying like he's in pain and he's having trouble like he's in pain and Mm -hmm. he's having trouble like he's not he's not one of these guys that is uh you know, constantly on the ground and, and and writhing in pain. Like, sure, he falls a lot during the game, but he's he's never been a guy that has shied away from, like, toughing it out and, and playing through stuff. So um,
0: it is a worry for me just how effective he's going to be. Sixers are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs uh, in Game 2 and also in Joel's press conference today. He did not shy away from uh, talking about things that have happened in the organization that led to uh, – his journey of the MVP, including, uh, the burners and his guy, Sam Hanky being kicked out. Well, Sam Hankey posted the, uh, pursuit of happiness, uh, fucking clip. incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that he brought up the uh, Colangelo things. i I'll, I'll personally never get over that, how just insane that was. And, um, what a, what an absolute, I, I think
0: it's good to remind ourselves what a absolute roller coaster it's been. So, and then it was great that the, uh, the game of zones, uh, hinky clip resurfaced as well last night across the board and uh all the quotes from hinky saying "Well, no, we certainly do know sam thank you um uh, because we owe you one um what are your expectations for game two though matt <sighs> obviously like would it be fantastic if harden goes off again yes you can't go in expecting that but if you did have to kind of set like what your expectations are for this game? My
1: honest, my honest gut feeling is what I said earlier that I th- I think this team spent a little too much emotionally over the last few days, and I I think there's a little bit of a come down to earth tonight. It, you know, even then, just going back to Philly one-one is 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 okay. I, I think that's that's totally reasonable. Um, I think this is probably going to be a long series. Like, you can see this game is going this series going six or seven. Um, so I I I honestly expect the Sixers to lose tonight. Who knows, right? Of course, like I again I thought the Sixers were gonna have a terrible time this series, mostly because I didn't even think Embiid was gonna be back I thought I thought he was done for the playoffs um so you know anything can happen and you know when you have someone like Harden you have Embiid back tonight we'll see but uh my my honest feeling is that the the Sixers lose tonight that I think the Celtics get back a little bit and you know saw Jason Tatum have a really dominant uh game overall like he was uh very creative and um, you know, it just has, has insane shot making ability. And I, I think tonight could be a, a really big Jalen Brown night as well. So um, I do worry for them a little bit tonight, but like, I'm mostly just concerned with, with looking at Embiid bead and seeing how he is. Cause we know he's not going to be fully healthy, but I just, I want to know how effective he's going to be. And you know, this is, uh this is where the series like turns, like this is where it, it, it starts to, to really,
0: to really shape up. So. And then you come home, you get the, mvp celebration uh at home on friday it's going to be a boisterous weekend down in south philly because it's a it's a double header of philly and boston Matt, we've got Sixers celtics on friday and sunday and the phillies are playing the red sox right across the street at citizens bank park this weekend yeah um it's, it's boston eight week <laughs> i mean that's it that is every week for me that's very true um also shout out to uh matt on twitter at panasonic xd 4500 he said this has got to be equally uh as painful for the celtics losing game one at the hands of
1: 45
0: (laughs) nice (laughs) very nice um who do you think uh is going to be like the x factor in tonight's game uh, game 1 I feel like obviously Harden had his but like you said D'Anthony Melton stepped up in such a big way that um really kind of propelled us to that win who do you think kind of steps up
1: tonight I, I think it could be Tobias he, and he had a he had a, great a, a game. little little quiet uh game 1 too like in terms of like praise but um he had that big three uh late in the game and it was a great pass by Harden if if Tobias can have another like solid performance like that like if you – He's one of these guys. I think that if you tell me his stat line before the game, I like that really sets the uh, like. He's a good bellwether guy, mm-hmm. I think, for the Sixers. And so I, I think if Tobias has, has another solid performance, I, I feel good about how the Sixers have played. Because listen, like we all know, we all know, <laughs> we all know at this point with, with Tobias. But I think generally he's had a, a pretty good playoffs. Yeah, um, I think and- he's been well above expectations of everybody. Right, and you know, in that game too, um, you know, without Embiid, he was like the third, fourth option, mm-hmm. and I, I think had a, again a pretty good night. Um, I do wish you would uh, just take the three. You know, like he he does have still that habit of uh, staring at a three and then dribbling into a contested mid-range has he i need to take that clip where
0: he was just dribbling around there was like 0.6 seconds on the shot clock we need to put the mario star music behind that because absolutely insane um i I have no clue where he was going he's just (laughs) driving in circles um and i mean hopefully just the the defensive performance continues tonight too like obviously the the interior defense was not fantastic in that first half as everybody was going back and forth but as the game progressed, the Sixers' defense, especially on the perimeter, got much more you know, tightened up, and they were able to kind of pick their spots and defend a lot more one-on-one and, and really take it to the Celtics. So hopefully that trend continues for the Sixers too because I think that's a, as big of a key for the Sixers winning this series is being able to go toe-to-toe defensively with the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, definitely saw it as the game went
1: on, like you said, with the in-game adjustments moving to zone, and that definitely, I think too, like, there's a few times where they forced the Celtics to not be able to get out in transition. And, and the Celtics really... St- and that is a hard way to play through a full series where it gets very physical, right? Like, you saw it in the first... like uh, Especially in the first quarter, they were running on everything. And, you know, the, the Sixers definitely had struggles with that. But that is not... You cannot play that way in the, the, an entire series. Uh, it's just really not sustainable. Even with the Celtics, as deep as they are, you know, they have... Probably the, the, the best eight guys, you know, probably left in the playoffs right now, just in terms of, like, quality of depth. Maybe not, they don't have, like, the true star talent, maybe, that uh, some other teams remaining in the playoffs do, but, you know, so they do have bodies to throw, and we we know that they have, like, athletic wings, but I do think, um, you know, the, the Sixers made good adjustments as the game went on, and, and you definitely saw some big defensive stops down the stretch, and listen, like... The Sixers are, are are strong defense as well. You know everything you say about the Celtics, you can you can levy at, at the the Sixers as well. You know maybe they don't have the individual talent, but they can be locked in. I mean even Harden was uh, was
0: throwing some <laughs> some uh, some turbulence at times in Game One. So and it was just so fitting that that offensive foul that was called on Harden uh, against Horford happened and then Harden hits that dagger three right in Al Horford's face which was an insane call by the way too just beautiful unreal. Um, so hopefully the Sixers keep it rolling game two coming up in just a few minutes um, it does look like here he is starting, confirmed yeah. starting lineup Joel Embiid there it is Um, so Joel back in the lineup and uh, from one MVP being back in the lineup to another uh, it's brought to you by our friends over at Wasted wedge, one of our newest partners the best they're they're the best new product for you becoming the talking point of your event, whether you're out on the golf course, you're at a bachelor party, a wedding, parties in general, wasted wedge is going to make you the talk of your event because a new age of golf has arrived, and if you're looking to be the talk and envy of your group and create memories with your friends and family, look no further. Then the lineup of Wasted Wedge products and merchandise. Think of Shot Ski, but instead of all the, the hot glue and super glue you had to use back in the day and actual shot glasses, it's a golf wedge. You use plastic shot glasses, keep things a lot cleaner, a lot easier uh, to to store, and a lot less breakage as well. Wasted Wedges are a blast to drink shots out of on and off the course, and you guys can check them out at WastedWedge.com or find them at WastedWedge on Instagram and Facebook That's WastedWedge.com. Make sure you follow them at WastedWedge on Instagram and Facebook. WastedWedge.com. Remember the name. More shots. More fun. Bryce Harper's back, Matt. 160 days after Tommy John surgery. Bryce Harper back in the Phillies lineup as of yesterday. Got his first couple of hits in today's uh, closeout game against the Dodgers. Unfortunately, the Phillies get swept uh against the Dodgers but I'm not concerned because one it's the Dodgers and two the Phillies pitching that they had to throw out against the Dodgers was less than ideal um I think the biggest thing though is Bryce is back and it just makes this lineup that much better
1: I I still don't <laughs> understand how um I just I I really I I don't get it and uh I'm I'm shocked we're here in early May and Bryce Harper's back hitting a baseball. That's a medical <laughs> marvel. Truly. Um Yeah, I was listening to uh to Matt Gelb talk about his like uh his brace that he's wearing too, like to stop him from like overextending um, you know, and, and doing any like damage to the uh the ligament. I just I I, I <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. I, I feel like the whole time they were blowing smoke, like at first he's not on the sixty day IL and it's like that's fair, you know, like he you see maybe if he's got a path to being here like back in in late May early June um I you know I had resigned to myself in the winter that he was going to be back you know like All-Star break and mm-hmm. that seems like maybe you know late July is maybe where we're going to see him actually throwing because um, that's that's not where he's at right now right like he's he's just going to be in uh in his <laughs> old faithful <laughs> DH spot DH spot like he was for for like half of last year so Um, we'll see, obviously, as the season goes on, if he's able to to work his way back to that. I I mean, I just have to, I guess, put faith in the doctors here. Same with Embiid, where it's like, if he can play, I guess, like, Mm -hmm. all right. But I just, I'm not totally sure that he should be doing this. But um, there are clearly people much smarter than me that know a lot more than me
0: that I'd say that he's fine. I just, I've never seen this in my life. It's unbelievable. Um, It's exciting. And, you know, obviously... You, you get that added added juice of the Philly Boston weekend uh down at the, the Sports Complex and Bryce makes his home debut for 2023 uh on Friday and uh I'm going to the game with uh CFO Margie so we're gonna be there to uh witness Bryce's you know welcome back to the lineup um but it just it makes this lineup so much better and yes the Phillies got swept it happens like they they struggle in these these West Coast trips against the Dodgers in the regular season all the time. So, like, it didn't surprise me that it happened. Did it suck that they battled back today to tie it up and then Max Muncie hits a fucking walk off Grand Slam to win the game? Yes, that awesome. sucks. But Taiwan Walker... It feels like something is just still not right with him. I don't know if it's, you know, just getting reacclimated from the World Baseball Classic because Team Mexico went so deep and he was pitching for them. You have Matt Strom in the lineup, uh, or in the rotation, I'm sorry. He's been great, but, like, let's be real with ourselves. He's a reliever in every sense of the word. Like, yes, he started early in his career, but... Throughout most of his career when he's been successful, he's been a reliever out of the bullpen, and that's what the Phillies signed him to be. And it's been great that he's been able to step up in so many instances so far for the Phillies as a starter. But in all reality, you want him in the bullpen. And Bailey Falter, he is the ultimate Jekyll and Hyde. He has the the hot month where he looks untouchable, and then he has moments where he's just not that great. Yeah,
1: uh, definitely inconsistent is, is a good word for him.
0: And then obviously Nola pitched today and and did his his best to try to contain. And let's let's not kid ourselves. Like yes, the Dodgers lost Trey Turner to the Phillies, obviously, but they still have Mookie Betts. They still have Freddie Freeman. They still have Max Muncie, Will Smith. Like that's still a very formidable Dodgers lineup, even without Trey Turner. So of course they're going to score runs against us. And this time of year, out in L.A., the ball flies out of there and the Dodgers are accustomed to playing there, and it proves with their 36 runs that they scored against us.
1: Not not the first time, too, that the Phillies have gone on the road and had a really tough time uh, this season. So
0: I think a lot of people were just disappointed after winning the series and looking really, really good and kind of on the upswing against the Astros. Then you kind of lay an egg here against the Dodgers, but you're coming home now for five games uh, three against the Red Sox two against the Blue Jays so you get some AL East opponents who are off to really good starts this year too like the Red Sox even though they're uh, you know in the middle of that AL East division they've been pretty formidable they can hit the ball so you're gonna have to pitch well against them and uh, the Blue Jays are a team that a lot of people have high expectations for this year going into the postseason and then after that you go out west again which don't understand the scheduling here but you go out west to play the Rockies, which hopefully helps the Bats a little bit, and then you play the San Francisco Giants, which this time of year you should be able to hit the ball out there in San Francisco pretty well, and then you come home to play the Cubs and the Diamondbacks uh, before you get into the, the heart of your NL East uh, gauntlet stretch against the Braves, the Mets, and the Nationals in back-to-back-to-back series. Yeah, those those are the ones that I'm really, uh, really
1: looking ahead towards because... Somehow they're still sort of floating around the division. Um, so it's, it's, it's good to maybe have some shots now at, uh, at making up some ground there uh, because, you know, that's, that's what we always look back at at the end of the season. Uh, it's, it's our annual tradition mm-hmm. in, like, early September, looking back at the, the dumb games that we dropped, especially to our, our division rivals. So that is, that is where I'm sort of casting my eye now.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Phillies are two games behind the Marlins and Mets for second place in the NL East. And the Braves are just the Braves. They're they've been hot. Um, hopefully, it it pauses. I I don't understand the Braves breakdown of wins and losses between home and away is the most obscure thing. They're seven and seven at home, Matt, but they're thirteen and three on the road. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> bizarre. That's bizarre, beyond belief. Um, but I mean, you come home, and I the Phillies traditionally they're a better team at home too. And yeah. you start off this homestand with Zach Wheeler on the mound, I think that's great for you. And you're you're playing against a pitcher who has struggled mightily to start this year and has struggled to stay healthy uh, on Friday and Chris Sale. So hopefully the Phillies' bats can come to life against Chris Sale and light up this subpar Red Sox pitching. I don't know if the entire um, gauntlet of, of Red Sox pitching for their rotation for this weekend has been announced or if they still have some to be determined spots but Friday it'll be Zach Wheeler versus Chris Sale Saturday it will be Bailey Falter versus Corey Kluber and then it'll be Tanner Hawk versus Taiwan Walker so bats are gonna have to propel you especially in Saturday and Sunday's games because Falter and Taiwan Walker have struggled mightily yeah need uh
1: need both those guys to uh to find their way over the course of the season
0: and maybe they will you know um, but we'll see. But Matt, that brings us to our favorite weekly weekly bit: uh, the NL East run differential. It's brought to you by our friends over at W Energy. They just celebrated two years. Being in the energy game a couple weeks ago, released a new flavor and released a new shaker that I have right here in the studio with this cool-looking panda on it. Uh, Dubby's looking to clean up the energy game. Zero calories, zero sugar. It tastes really freaking good. Uh, there's no artificial colors, no maltodextrin fillers, and they're just going to war on big energy, trying to clean it up. You don't have jitters and crash with Dubby. They've got delicious flavors, and uh, they are simply the best in the game, you guys can go to W.GG and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off any and all orders from W. Uh, clean up your energy game, go to War on Big Energy, and uh, get yourself some W at W.GG and use code UNDERGROUND at checkout for 10% off your order. Looking at the East run differential right now, Matt, the Atlanta Braves are leading the way. 156 runs scored, 108 against for a plus 48 run differential and a 20 and 10 record. The New York Mets at 16 and 14 have 140 runs scored, 132 runs against for a plus 8 run differential. The Miami Marlins at 16 and 14, they have still only scored 99 runs but they have 140 runs against for a negative 41 run differential in two games above 500 because that's just what happens. Uh, And then you have the Philadelphia Phillies at 15-17, and 137 runs scored, 166 runs against. They were oh so close to getting to a positive run differential before this series against the Dodgers. Uh, and then the stolen franchise, Washington Nationals, sitting at 11 and 18 with 109 runs scored, 136 runs against for a negative 27 run differential. The Phillies bats just have like the Phillies bats are there. It's clearly just the pitching has struggled, and the fact that you've had to throw your bullpen out there as much as you have in three out of your your five turns in the rotation, whenever Taiwan Walker, Matt Strom, or Bailey Falter have pitched. You're taxing your bullpen to where they're coming in games and they just don't have enough in the tank to be as effective as you want them to be.
1: Yeah, the the length of service has been uh, a real challenge. The athletics, by the way,
0: minus 118.
1: <sighs> so that
0: is tough. Sitting at 6-24. and 24. <sighs> Jesus. While the Tampa Bay Rays at a plus 106. Gotta love it. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it. Oh, man. And then best in... The National League, oddly enough, the Atlanta Braves. Now they have surpassed the Pittsburgh Pirates by three, but the Pirates at a plus forty-five run differential, and these tied for the first best record, like tied for the best record in the National League are the Pittsburgh Pirates.
1: Like we all predicted, just
0: Pittsburgh, as we all we said, all, we all thought that. And on the flip side, St. Louis Cardinals ten and twenty.
1: <laughs> love that, love that. Yeah. It's just such a you know what I hate about the. The MLB is just so predictable, you know.
0: It's Just, <laughs> but hopefully the Phillies get right um, going into this weekend against the Boston Red Sox, who sit at seventeen and fourteen as of this recording. Um, and then they get the Toronto Blue Jays, who are eighteen and twelve. Red Sox pitching is beatable. Like all of their pitchers, who the Phillies will be facing this weekend, have like at least a four ERA, if not higher. Corey Kluber's got like a six nine one. Chris Sale's got like and above six ERA, these bats should be able to come to life and, and really find a groove. And hopefully that's like the start of momentum moving forward as we get closer and closer to that four-game uh, Memorial Day weekend series against the Braves.
1: Yeah, that is. Uh, it's all about getting momentum now. And like you said, that Braves series is going to be huge. Uh, that, is, that is definitely going to be the team, very clearly, we're going to be chasing all year again uh, for the division. But yeah, maybe we'll just uh, sneak his wild card, beat him in the uh, NLDS again. Run it back! Shout out Spencer Strider. Um, did you see my? <laughs> my I love tweet that Spencer Strider's like, I'm just gonna throw two fucking heaters and that's it. I'm just gonna. I got two. That's all I need. Everyone else is like, hey, well, I heard that." Uh, K. Osborne's adding a seventh pitch this off season. It's a it's a backwards slider. It's exit v. And Spencer's like, "I'm just gonna fucking throw the ball fast. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna throw it super fast." I pissed off and, so many Braves ab- fans, and
0: absolutely no one is gonna hit me. When uh, Strider was throwing that no hitter and then it got broken up by our boy Gene Segura. Um, Jeff Passon put out a tweet saying, like, Spencer Strider's like one of the best young arms in the league, obviously. But I couldn't resist putting the Reese Bats bike of course. video out there. So many Braves fans are so mad. Well, actually, he had a back injury. Like, it's not really fair. His velocity was down, and uh, he wasn't throwing his best stuff. So I don't know what you want from us. If you knew anything about FIPLO, you would know that it was not an optimal series. How'd that season end for you guys? We won it the was. fucking National League. That's how. Banners fly forever. Ugh. Those absolute idiots. Um... Also, congratulations to Max Scherzer coming back as a uh, PD, sticky substance user. Always knew it. Always knew it. Those eyes. It was always in the eyes. Um, But yeah, Philly's looking to uh, bounce back this weekend, get above 500 again, and uh, do the damn thing. Matt, since the last time we recorded an episode, the NFL Draft has come and gone. The Eagles get a bunch of dogs, and it's brought to you by our friends over at Trophy Smack. You guys can upgrade your fantasy smack talk. You know. The typical way, or you can do it with Trophy Smack, where they've got custom trophies, belts, rings, metal wall art. They do all the engravings. We just upgraded our fantasy football league trophy with Trophy Smack that I've been in for over a decade. It looks gorgeous. Looking forward to uh, hopefully hoisting that at the end of this fantasy football season. But you guys can do the same when you go to TrophySmack.com/underground to upgrade your fantasy Smack talk today. That's TrophySmack.com/underground. Eagles get a bunch of dogs in the draft. They trade for one. DeAndre Swift is now a Philadelphia Eagle. He's coming home. Had his uh, introductory press conference today. But uh, your thoughts on how the NFL draft as a whole went and the uh, the drafting of Howie Roseman and the wheeling and dealing that he has done to uh, allegedly piss off some other NFL GMs that maybe you should just do your job. I do love that high roseman's
1: like secret draft plan is like hey you know the uh best college football team over the last like four years and has like had like a great defense and has won a bunch of national champions well, i'm just gonna draft uh they're the best players on that defense that's what that's what i'm gonna do um i think we we had predicted uh or at least mentioned the possibility of if Jalen carter's like hanging around that's a guy that they might move up for and they've not been afraid to do that in years past and that's what they did again I think the price is pretty reasonable, too, uh, for to, to get him. Does come with a risk, obviously, though. Like, even outside of the uh, car incident, um, there had been question marks about his, like, motivation and dedication. And I didn't know this. But, like, apparently Jordan Davis is, like, a huge mentor to him. And, you know, you add in the fact that there's a bunch of, like, you know, bulldogs now um, on the defensive end. And I have to imagine it's a pretty good situation. And you look at, like, the veterans that the Eagles have. Like, those are good guys, I think, to sort of – if they can't make him into like a professional player and get him in the routine, then I you know, it was probably never gonna happen. So um I, I think overall it was a good draft. I think they they you know, you walk away with what could be the best player in the first round in uh at least not like non quarterback player. <laughs> um and I, I think that that's great and you get Noah at the end of the first round. That that's a pretty nice pickup. Um, I think DeAndre Swift as, like, a, a flyer, right, and now you have a really interesting backfield, too, like um, between him and you have Rashad Penny, of course, Then you still have, like, guys like Gainwell and Boston Scott. Like, I, I think that that running back room is, is really nice, and I think in general you have a nice offense. I'm surprised that they didn't make a wide receiver pick. It feels like every team pretty much just takes a flyer on someone. Um, they did sign – two i believe right undrafted undrafted free guys so maybe they stick around maybe they just really like the value there who knows i but, think one of them played with jalen hurts at oklahoma right too, so so we'll see you know i i think overall it was, it was a good draft um you know they they were aggressive when they needed to be and you know they they really didn't give up much for for next year too like next year they'll have the same kind of flexibility they're not gonna be picking at 10 but they have flexibility too you know like they Going into to training camp and going before the season, if, if there's a position they really want to address and push, if they have that option. And they picked that, that cornerback, too, who I've heard really good yeah, things Kelly about. Kelly Ringo. So, you know, and that's a position, too. you got to start thinking about the next two or
0: three years and that, you know, you're going to have to replace your two guys there. So they also signed an undrafted free agent corner who a lot of people were surprised went undrafted. Um, and everybody's saying, like, those two guys could be, like, the heir apparents once bradbury's contract is up and once darius slay's contract is up so how he just keeps it rolling and you know it is it is wild watching the transformation of howie roseman from when he was originally gm to being pushed to the other side of the building to coming out on the other end and being this like savant in terms of wheeling dealing and just roster construction um and going out and and not being afraid to to swing for the fences and make moves that are going to improve this roster whether it's in the draft or via trade on draft night the last two years with AJ Brown now DeAndre Swift and I think the Eagles collectively are paying their running back room like a little over six million dollars which is like less than two percent of the salary cap which is just insane with the talent that they have in that running back room yeah and again it's it's
1: four guys that can all kind of cycle in and I think that's, that's probably what the Eagles want and uh, you know, they, they don't really want to depend on just one guy to do it all for them. And I think that gives you, I, I just think that that gives you a lot of flexibility, uh, in this upcoming season when I, I think this offense could be very, very good. You know, I think there was a little, little twinkle in my eye when Bijan was sitting there at a and was like, ah, but you know, it felt like he was a Falcon, you know, every yeah. mock draft that everyone, like, especially when his mom walked down the midnight green dress. Oh, man, so, I was I like, was like, so, uh, I am looking forward to seeing his career and how he, he works out on the, uh, on the Falcons because we know that they love to run the ball. So, I mean, if you're going to – that is what the philosophy you're going to commit to. It actually does make sense to take someone like Bijan, but, um, you know, obviously uh, he would look great in Midnight Green. But uh, Jalen Carter is a good pick. I'm I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, you don't get to pick at that end of the draft very often if you're a team like the Eagles. So I like being
0: aggressive and going at a guy that you really think can make a difference for you. I like that. And uh, the other news that happened right before the draft, it's a little tampering going on. with the Arizona Cardinals and won Jonathan Gannon. And uh, if there was ever a, a most hated coach in Philadelphia, Jonathan Gannon is working his way up the ranks. He is just uh, – What a slime ball. It's
1: weird because I think the Cardinals had a, a pretty – the draft itself for them was not amazing, but I think they left themselves very flexible for next year, mm-hmm. which I think is what they're really looking towards. And they have the, the Texans' first pick, uh, first-round pick next year, which could be a very good pick. Next year projects to be like a good quarterback uh, class. So, you know, the, the Cardinals have kind of set themselves up nicely for next year. I don't know if Jonathan Gann is the one I want, you know,
0: as a, as a part of that structure, but we'll see. The the tampering thing, when I saw that pop across the timeline, like 15 minutes before the draft happened, I was like, what is going on? And then you just continue to see more and more and like people within the building, are are pissed at Jonathan Gannon like I'm happy that the Eagles were able to move up you know 30 some odd spots in the third round uh because of this but it really feels like they did not get nearly enough back in compensation for what actually went down because I it's also like come on it's obviously elevated because it happened leading into the Super Bowl as well but know your time and place buddy like it's I think it's worse because he like lied about it yeah it's like no it's
1: just not like if if I'm a Cardinals fan I'm like this sucks like I this is already like just not this is not a good way to start your uh your time at, at a new place it just isn't
0: I felt very uh Bugs Bunny Mafia meme I was like I wish all Cardinals fans a very oh I thought you were gonna existence. say oh, I'm back on my bullshit but. that too <laughs> that's how it started and then continued to roll um Man, Howie Roseman when he sees a, a Georgia Bulldog in the- <laughs> Did you see his quote, too? He said, I'm pretty sure I've been uh, removed from the Florida Gators Alumni Association now. Well, you know what? If that's what it takes. It's okay. That's fine. Um, I can't even imagine what the elevation of security is going to be when the Cardinals come to town <laughs> this year. Because the Cardinals and Eagles play in Philadelphia this year. Gannon is going to be crucified by that crowd and you know what rightfully so as
1: he said uh in the lead of the 49er we're gonna fucking
0: cut these guys <laughs> <laughs> but the only good thing i think i can uh recall from uh from jonathan Gannon, so. man it does feel good to know that we have a defensive coordinator that's actually going to care about his job this year um but moving on from jonathan gannon just costing us a super bowl to uh Islands of Fiji. It's brought to you by our friends at Tomahawk Shades, the best small batch eyewear in the game. They've got sunglasses, blue light glasses, prescription lenses, and survivor legend Tyson Apostle has partnered with them as well, uh, so you know they're the real deal. Tomahawk Shades has been rocking with us for years now, and they are the best in the game. You guys can go to TomahawkShades.com, check out their sunglasses and their blue light glasses, and if you need to get prescription lenses, you can do that too. And use promo code USP at checkout for 25% off your order at TomahawkShades.com. That's TomahawkShades.com. Use promo code USP for 25% off your order. A farewell to Kane. He's voted out. In last week's episode, Franny wins immunity. Our guy Danny comes oh so close to winning immunity, but Franny gets it. Kane is voted out, and uh we live to see another Danny week. Franny the immunity challenge
1: beast. Uh, who who would have who would have thought? Um it just goes to show in Survivor Two that I think again, we they talk so much about physical threats and like yes, those and Danny's been in like the later stages of a lot of these challenges, like he could have won, but like that's just not the way Survivor challenges work anymore. It's not two thousand four. Like you're not deadlifting like two hundred pounds mm-hmm. and having to hold it for seven hours. Like, you know, these uh these challenges now I think are a lot more balanced. And uh, so so shout out to Franny. But yeah, I, I think um I do think it's interesting too because Franny really identified the fact that Carolyn and Carson and Jam Jam are at a really like powerful position. Um I don't know like how many other people have really been aware of that, or at least that we've been shown that they're aware of that. So the fact that she's highlighting that, that they could be in a little bit of peril this week, perhaps, because, you know, if she picks up on it last week, but Danny talks her off the ledge to to go and get Kane out and, and kind of diminish what uh, what Ratu has, you know, maybe this week is where, uh, or maybe, you know, again, when they're in that powerful middle position, they can kind of swing things in their favor.
0: So I'm interested to see how that, uh, how that plays out uh, this week. Yeah, and I mean... We're down to the, the final eight, and the next time on Survivor looked like a full-blown movie trailer. Um, we didn't even get a next time on Survivor. It was just full send right into footage. Uh, this week's episode is titled Full Tilt Boogie. <laughs> so who knows what's going to happen. Uh, we got the recurring episode last week, too, of uh, risk your, your shot at immunity so you get food and feels kind of early for that to happen in a way um i was kind of surprised that it was at that never moment. give up your spot
1: by the way yeah. um because i know like kane was saying that oh you know like i did it because it was good listen there's no such thing as the greater good it is not like you're not actually like shipwrecked like yeah in that situation yeah maybe you know right like but in this situation like danny's right you play the game like you and i will lie and say that i won't vote you out and then i'll vote you out because that is like Sorry, man. It's Survivor. It's it's the same way I hate when people get all upset because people lie. And they're like, was that a lie? They, they, yeah, of course it was. It's Survivor. Mm-hmm. That's
0: that's how you play the game. You lie. <laughs> you lie and lie and lie and lie and lie. That's how you do it. Yeah, the Kane vote breakdown was 5-3-1-1. Um, so we'll see what happens this week. Another idol was was found. um, But another idol should be going back in I think now that Kane was voted out with an idol in his pocket or in his shoe um so we'll see if that gets put into play but we are getting towards crunch time with idols being able to be used the one that was just found last time it can be used is when there's only 5 people left in the game right. so very very close to idols no longer being a factor it does feel like this season in particular though that like there's been an excess of like importance on idols and like just the the constant search for them. Well, I know Jamie was really
1: disappointed because her idol went out with Kane, which was like if that was a real idol, that'd been shocking. But I yeah. think she should actually be very thankful that she did not get embarrassed and uh, have to to play that. And that that is a, a game sinker right there. So i I think I think it's gonna be a really funny viewing experience for
0: her seeing that and be like, well, okay, <laughs> maybe maybe that's all right. So we'll see what happens uh, on this episode, and we are going to uh, gear up for Sixers Celtics game two. Hopefully, we come out with another win. But make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com/slash Underground Sports PHI. Follow Matt on Twitter at matt Castorina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star review. It does go a long way for helping more people find the show and helps us continue to grow. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Get us to 500 subscribers, hopefully by the end of the month, if not sooner. We're at 450 as of this recording, so go subscribe, be a friend, tell a friend, and of course, underground sports philadelphia is presented by the city of vineland and the city of vineland municipal calendar features city organized city-sponsored and city-affiliated events that are of public interest the calendar which is accessible at vinelandcity.org is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness remain engaged with city government and participate in local events you can also follow the city of vineland on social media via their facebook instagram linkedin and youtube pages Through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city, Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Maine Auto LLC, Security 21 Security Systems, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland for their continued support of this podcast. And this has been episode number 530, a Joel Embiid MVP edition Of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. Till next time, go Sixers. We're getting the heck up out of here. Peace.